Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest is an entrepreneur, business owner, musician, and spoken word artist. He's a social media marketer and founder of Fabre Media that aims to bridge the gap between the creative world and the business world. They do this by delivering clients with a unique and artistic experience through photography, videography, editing, a team of writers, and graphic design. Fabre Media serves over 300 clients from around the world. The main objective is to create a digital masterpiece for a targeted audience. Aside from Fabre Media, he also has a podcast called We Are The Brand that aims to go beyond the highlights of people's lives and brand. The podcast aims to acknowledge people's life challenges and how they overcame them. As a poet, he maintains his authentic self and aims to inspire through his insights and experiences. Let's welcome today, Mr. Frankie Fabre. Frankie, how you doing today, man? What's up, man? How's it going? Going great, man. Super excited to have you on the platform, man. Thank you for coming through. Definitely, man. I'm elated. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And I was just going through, you know, some of your work, man. And it's, it's super clean. And, you know, you could see like the art and the photography and the videography and, and just everything that you do, man. So I appreciate, uh, you know, the work that you do. It, it, you can see the amount of time, effort and energy that it takes just from looking at it, you know. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for the acknowledgement, man. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of uh, dedication and uh, you know, continually growing and and inspire, you know, inspiring to be even even better. So it's an everyday process. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And speaking of processes, man, um, I know getting to where you are uh, just from growing up was quite the experience for you, man, growing up in Chicago. Uh, in, in your podcast, too, you mentioned that, you know, you were a quote unquote troubled child growing up. So I'm really interested to kind of hear that story yeah, and definitely. how you came to be, man. So what was what was your your youth experience like, man, in Chicago, man? And how did you how did you uh, maneuver through all that to, to get to where you are now, man? Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I when I think about it, you know, my my, my childhood you know, contained all the variables of what, you know, a, a person of color experiences for those particular statistics, right? Um, you know, I had a biological father, but, you know, he wasn't in the house, wasn't really around. Um, my mother always working, you know, introduced to a stepfather or, you know, her man at the time, you know, and really just trying to maneuver, you know, we, we grew up, you know, we pretty much grew up poor. We didn't have much, um, you know, secondhand clothing, waiting at the Salvation Army to get food. Um, all I knew was really a, a impoverished mindset, a survival mindset. It was never a moment of thriving. Um, it was how can we always just make it through the day? And um, I seen that constantly, you know, growing up and it definitely had an effect on, you know, my childhood and growing up in my youth, um, you know, from Chicago, being from Chicago, I've seen so many different things as, as a young child that, you know, maybe the average person doesn't see that at the time I didn't recognize would have some sort of effect on me, but 
now being a, you know, an adult and a grown man, being able to understand the psychology um, behind the human and how your childhood affects a lot of your adulthood and how we're, you know, healing from those traumas and different things like that. So, right. Would, would you mind um, sharing some of the stuff that, you know, you're talking about? Man, um, from gang violence, you know, just looking out my window, seeing people get beat, you know, shot. I, I, I witnessed somebody get kidnapped just to get home and see it on the news, you know, hour after. Wow. Um, just so many different things, you know, always having to um, keep your eyes up, you know, keep your head up, keep your eyes open and, and live in a, in, in a mindset really of, of just making it through and making sure that, you know, we're, we're protected and safe, you know, um, as soon as you get in a car, locking a door, you know, just all, just, just even those small things that some people don't have to deal with, you know, um, and just experiencing, um, you know, what it felt like to have promises made, you know, as a child from, from my father and those things not come through, just sitting in the window, waiting for him to come by and him never show up, you know, mm. those things affected me, you know, definitely. And, and, and created a particular perspective in my mind that, that I, I grew with for a long time. And until like, I really, you know, resurrected within myself to, to, to find life in a different way. Um, it affected how I seen things and how I treated people and how I responded to life. Mm, got you. Got you. And um, what is your background too? I know uh, you are black, but you have um, a little yeah, bit my, of other stuff as well, right? Yeah. My, my father is uh, African and Cuban and my mother's Puerto Rican. Got you. Got you. Okay. So I'm guessing some of these experiences developed that, you know, quote unquote, uh, troubled child that you talked about on your podcast. So um, what was, you know, your, your school experience like? What kind of kid were you, you know, coming up experiencing some of these things in your neighborhood? And um, I'm guessing they had a, an impact on you. Maybe you felt that you had to to uh, maybe prove or assert yourself as a young person growing up. So what was that like? No, 100 percent, man. Um, I always get in trouble in school. Um, I, I just always try to find a place, man. I just wanted to, to feel accepted and loved, you know, um, and, you know, just constantly getting in trouble in class and getting in fights, um, and being, being something that I wasn't for the sake of feeling something that I didn't feel before, you know, uh, I mean, that's, that's really the subtotal of, of how to explain that thing from, from a current understanding. Right. Um, but yeah, the normal things, man, uh, I've been, I've been kicked out of school. I've been suspended. I've been expelled. Um, done a lot of stupid things, man, hung around the wrong people and, and it caught up to me. Right. Essentially like my grandfather, uh, says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my future wasn't looking bright. You know, first time I was arrested, I was 13 years old, you know, Um, and same thing at 14, at 15, um, dealing with all kind of different things in school, um, really trying to be something I wasn't, you know, or I thought that I was supposed to be really. Wow. So did you end up graduating like uh, through high school, like, you know, when you were supposed to or how did that work out? 
Yeah, man. Like, hey, man, God's grace is sufficient, bro. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't a dumb student, you know, like mm-hmm. one, I was one of those students where teachers were like, damn, Frankie, like, like you're a smart child. Like you just need to get your stuff together. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I, I basically, I had to go through, through the, you know, hoops and different things to get finished. I went to night school, went to day school. Um, I did all those things I needed to do in order to actually finish. So I didn't finish like how a normal person did because I had to go to night school and I had to do those certain things to get those credits. Um, but yes, I graduated with my graduating class for sure. Ended up making it. A lot of that had to do with when I moved when I was 16 years old. Um, I moved and lived with my biological father for the first time in my life. He actually moved from Chicago uh, to uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And I finished school in North Fort Myers, Florida. And at that point, I think one of the things that really allowed me to actually graduate high school, because I know if I stood here, I wouldn't have graduated. But, you know, going there, it was a new experience, new people, new way of life. And at that moment, I could remember I get to restart my life because nobody knows who the hell I am. Mm-hmm. I get to recreate myself from my perspective and how I wanted to. And I knew I wanted to do good. And I knew I wanted to to, to feel good. And that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. That's amazing, man. I'm glad you made it through that, man. Um, so after you graduated, did you go directly into college? Like, well, what would you do after that? Um, no, I didn't go directly into college, man. Um, I mean, it wasn't too long after I did go to school, but I went straight to work. I actually was uh, an assistant manager to the store Lids, the hat store. Oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah. I, I I started just as a as just a regular employee. Then I became like a key holder. Then I became an assistant manager. All at eighteen, um, and yeah, you know, um, I did that. And then I left Florida. You know, went through like at that time, like you know my breakup from a girl that I was with in high school mm. and then out of high school. Um, then my father was leaving Florida and there was just a lot going on. So um, I decided to move back to Chicago and um, still with my sister for, for a decent amount of time on 79th out here on the South side of Chicago. Um, and, you know, was doing that. And then um, I got a scholarship actually when I had visited my parents, I had went to their church and I got a scholarship to um, a school called RBI and, and, and RSW, which is a Christian music school and a Bible school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, a, a huge turn of events. So just put it like that, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and really at the time, I, I just felt like where my life was really wasn't in a place where I felt like I could thrive. So I said, you know what, bump it. Let me try it. And, you know, I received that and moved to Tampa, Florida with nobody. I mean, I had like $50 in my pocket, maybe. And, this is you no, know, this is at 19. 19. Okay. So, yeah. So all of that stuff happened at 18 through 19. And then when I was 19, before I turned 20, I went back home. All of that, you know, transpired and put me in the position to move to Tampa, Florida, um, and I just did it. You know, I 
no friends out there, no family out there. Once again, um, back in a place where I'm, I'm in a space where I could recreate who I am and, and, and who I want to be. Right. And so I did that, did that for three years. You know, a lot of it was hands-on at the time. Got a degree in, in music. And then I also have a degree in theology. Um, I studied, you know, world religion. I studied um, Judeo-Christian. I studied, you know, the Islamic faith, Buddhism. Mm-hmm. I was very, I've always been intrigued um, when it came to just, you know, religion and history and where we come from and, and, and what people think we come from and different opposing thoughts right? You know, I was never someone who just wanted to just be one thing and just say, yes, that's how it's supposed to be when there's so much more in life for us to discover. But most people can't discover it because they're so blocked by their current state of mind and what they are forced to believe or are raised to believe that they actually dismiss a whole nother possibility of understanding, you know, not Mm -hmm. saying you have to adopt that particular thing, but when you become enlightened and understand people and why they believe what they believe, you're able to get rid of the narrative of what you're taught to believe, why they believe what they believe. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely something that I didn't believe I would be doing or, or, or thought I would do, but I did it. And for me, I'm a type of person where whatever I say I'm going to do, I do it. And I, and I, and I complete it as best as I possibly can. And so, yeah, man, that's, um, that's what I did. Um, and, and I mean, during that time, I would say is when I became a lot more woke, I guess you could say, with just life and, and people's struggles outside myself. I used to travel to inner city communities all over and, and teach people life skills and, and give clothes and food and and really just be a service by yourself you know? or with a with a program uh, or something like that yeah with, with, with the program that i that i um joined when i was going to the school because they were oh, very okay. like they're very like christian based and so that was part of getting your credits and doing stuff like that so um you know i i i did a lot of that actually um and it was a great experience it taught me how to that's where I truly begun to understand the psychology of people. um, And, and really in that be able to entry level discover really who I was, you know, people were, I began to use people as mirrors into my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it became something that I'm like a sponge. I I love to learn. I love, I, I got tons of books. I read all the time. Um, I, 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 that's why I love hearing people's stories because for me, it's, it's really intriguing to understand the depth of the human mind, like neuroscience and psychology. I love the brain, um, and what it can do. I think it's just amazing how it affects your life on a daily basis. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, it was during that time where a lot of these things were just unfolding within myself. And I knew, I, I knew in those moments that it was something that I wanted to, be a part of for the rest of my life. Got you, got you. Um, I wanna, I wanna definitely go back and dive into your entrepreneurial spirit as well because I think we missed out on that. And that, that I think is an important piece because that's kind of like oh, yeah. a part of your mastery journey, right? Um, into that started early. What you, yeah, what you do now. So, can you dive into like um, how you 
began as an entrepreneur and some of the things that you were doing just as a kid and how you start, you know, developed it and, you know, spent time to really master the work that you do now. Like you do work in photography, graphic design, videography, um, and obviously you own your own company, um, which you started your first company at an early age as well. So we'll get into that, but starting from just an early age, like where did you get that entrepreneurial kind of spirit and grind from? And what were some things that you were doing early on? Right, man. So, Man, I, I've been a hustler since I was like 10 years old, man. I've been I've been what you you would say an entrepreneur is since since an early age, right? Growing up and not having because you know my parents couldn't afford it, put me in a position to say, okay, well, you need to figure that out if you want something that you don't have because you ain't gonna get it from them. Um, because that's not a priority for them to focus on. As long as you right. got something a clothes on your back, roof over your head, then that's it. You know, Sounds which right. you know, right. Um, I used to buy boxes of candy, selling the candy in school, on the school bus, selling pop, um, you know, uh, selling bootleg DVDs, CDs. Man, I sold it all from candy <laughs> to, 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 to drugs, to um, anything. Oh, that I, I, did, I didn't do. know that part. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I, I did all of it. And it's just always been that mentality, you know all the way right. to shoveling some snow if I can to whatever it is. I, I knew that, you know, it, it's, it's up to me. I am responsible for that. And so, I mean, my mom used to always be like, dang, Frankie, like, how do you always have money on you? Like, you know, she'll tell you now, this is who he is. Like, he's like, he is a real entrepreneur. Like he was born like this. Like, it's not something that, you know, one day I picked up and said, that's who I am. I was molded into this, you know? Right. Um, those are the roots of why I am where I am today, hundred percent. And then, I mean, I moved into selling as, you know, as I got older, man, I sold Cutco knives. I sold coupon books. I sold uh, ADT security systems. Wow, um, you gotta be a beast to sell those things, man. <laughs> man, door to door knocking, bro. That's yeah. like the worst sales experience ever because you're entering somebody's personal space, trying to sell them something at their door. And it's just, you're dealing with so many personalities and so many people. It's just wild, man. The hate that you get and people calling police on you and (laughs) all kind of stuff. Right. But it it, it takes tough skin to get through that. Right. There's only a a certain amount of no's that one human could take before they want to give up. Right. Right. Um, But the tenacity that, that, you know, I grew in or, or grew um, in those moments made me who I am today. And I could reflect on that now, knowing what I went through to get to where I'm at, you know. Um, and from that, at the same time, you know, I've always been a, a creative, right? My father, he's a musician. He plays music. You know, he's a, he's a hard worker. I've always known that. That's why I never saw him for most of my childhood. Um, um, but so he was traveling uh, with the music? He is, he's uh, by trade, an auto body technician. So ah, you know, okay, he just, okay. yeah, he, he always just worked, but he played music. And when he wasn't working in that, he was in different venues and different things, playing music and doing stuff like that as well. Um, you know, my mother, she's, she's a, a creative and artist herself. Always remember her creating something, whether it's something crafty or painting, or she's just always been a creative. So I've, I've, I've had the experience to always see that and be around that. At the same time, I was able to grow in in that entrepreneurial spirit because 
that's something that I knew I needed to do. And so I was exposed to that, you know, one of my close friends, Eric, we, we teamed up and we just hustled together, you know? Um, and at that point, I would say, you know, around like 12, 13 is when those entrepreneurial skills started to develop in my life on outside of just to create the natural creative abilities that I had, you know, fast forwarding um, to 16 years old is when I, I first started doing photos, but it was actually with the cell phone. But that was at the, that was the first moment where I realized I loved doing photography, right? Um, it was my girlfriend at the time, my high school girlfriend, and I had like this super dope, you know, 4G phone when 4G just came out. And, you know, I took some pictures of her and I'm like, yo, these are dope photos. They were trash, but I'm like, yo, these are, <laughs> at the time, I'm like, yo, the, the angles, the sun. And I just, for the first time, experienced creating something and capturing it and knowing right. it's going to exist forever. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment where I'm like, yo, I really like this. And so um, I started to do a lot of it on my phone for the first uh, couple years. And then I bought my first camera when I was 19. You know, what, I what bought was the, the camera? Cam uh, a Canon T3. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was a, a, a DSLR um, crop censored Canon T3, man. Uh, and I just utilized, man, all I had was the, the, the stock lens, you know, the basic lens. And um, I got it initially because at the time I was going to, you know, music school. So all my friends are musicians, artists, singers. And, you know, I was doing like hip hop. So I'm like, uh, I want to make music videos and take my own content and do stuff for myself, you know, because right. I didn't have, I was broke. I didn't have no money to hire <laughs> nobody to do stuff. And everybody who said they would, there was always contingencies and it just never, you know, happened. And so, you know, I bought a camera and I just started shooting my own videos, my own music videos, my own content. Um, and then th that's where I learned a lot of stuff. That's where I learned hands-on how to use a camera and, and learn about it. And for me, one of the things that, you know, I do pride myself in is whenever I get into something, I am going to literally indulge and submerge myself into learning everything possible about it, bro. When I tell you I was studying it, the, the art of photography and video endlessly um, for what, hours. What did you use? Like uh, YouTube or like, what, what were you YouTube looking University, at? bro. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube, man. Um, and then I would always, anytime something was around me or somebody has something, I'm there, boom, asking questions, learning about what they know, you know, picking mm -hmm. their brain. Like I was just hungry, you know? Um, I think, I, I feel like the common thread and even all of this is I, I'm hungry. You know, mm. I'm, I, I want to continue. I, there is never a moment of, of, oh, this is good. And right. let's stop. It's like, yeah, I'm grateful, but never, never in, in a stagnated place of contentment to where I can no longer do more. I, I'm a creative and an entrepreneur and those things don't allow me to just be done with what I'm doing. I got to be onto the next thing. And so that's always been, you know, uh, you know, thre threaded in, in, in how I am and who I am. And so at that point I learned all of those things and I had a company 
you know, asking me like, yo, do you know how to do photo? Do you know how to, can you do photos for us? Can you do video for us? And how much would you charge? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what I'm going to charge. I've never <laughs> charged anybody for this. I don't even know where to start. Right. Um, and, and to rewind back a little bit at 15, I learned how to, um, you know, build computers and develop websites, which is Dang. random. Where'd you get um, that from? So I, I actually worked for this computer company, like for like $4 an hour. I'm like, yo, you can pay us $4. You can pay me $4 an hour. But just teach me everything. That's uh, so, so that's kind of what I did with that. And um, the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, with the company it was a yogurt shop, a Froyo spot, frozen yogurt joint. And um, they were like, yo, can you do photos? I'm like, yeah, bet. Can you do video? I'm like, let's get it. Um, they're like, yeah, we need a website too. Do you know anybody? I'm like, well, I guess I could do it too. So they're like, oh, how much for all of this? And now looking back, I'm like, wow, I would never do it for this price ever again. But you learn. <laughs> I charged, charged like $400 to build a website, to shoot video and do photography. Wow. Um, which, was- you know, there's, <laughs> right. There's what a living deal. off that, but yeah. what a deal, right? But it was, it was the, the beginning of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I actually, I remember my, my first, first client was one of my homies. He paid me to do his sister's graduation photos. That was the first time I ever got paid for my art. It was like $250. That was the first gig I ever did and got paid for with my camera. And then I, I did the, uh, the, this company, but this company was the first time I exposed myself to realizing, yo, I need to package this, put this together and service companies because they need this Mm -hmm. um and and i was also like you know involved in social media because at the time when i did music one of my managers owned a social media company and Mm. during that time i learned a lot it was when twitter was like the thing right um Mm -hmm. And so I learned the importance of social media. So I would tell these companies, this was during a time where companies felt they didn't need social media or social media was stupid. And I'm like, yo, like websites, cool. But how I explained it to them, I was like, think of your website like a, a empty pool that you need to fill up. Think of social media like a pool that's filled up and now you get to take water out of that. You know, like that, 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 that's how these people are, where it's like social media is where everybody's at you know, and your, and your pool, your website is where you're trying to bring them to. And so I would always convince, you know, brands and businesses to get into social media. Um, you know, some would look at me crazy. Some would be like, well, I don't know where to start or how to do it. And so here I am doing photo, video, social media, website, graphics, just because I, and this is all self-taught, right? I learned all these things, amazing. you know, yeah. and and so I started to package these things and little by little started to serve more and more companies. Um, mm. and how did you learn you know, how much to charge? Man, um, you know, I literally researched the hell out of it thinking I would find something. And, and it there is, you know, relatively ideal numbers, but ultimately it, it came down to experience um, and developing a system that you create internally that allowed you to then justify your worth, right? Because for example, um, yeah, there's somebody else that could do video and do X, Y, and Z, but the system that they have internally to get it done is probably going to be a pain in the ass, right? Mm. Um, Versus the system that I have, it's going to 
be flawless. It's going to be in a, a great experience. We're going to get from point A to point B like that because we know the systems and we know what's going on. Um, and so I began to realize the importance of developing systems behind what I did. Right. Um, and, you know, those systems are constantly being tweaked. That's something that one thing in, in any brand or business, any business um, is always tweaking their systems because the way to do things are always changing and the systems and softwares are always developing and growing. And so you have to adapt and be willing to pivot um, in those moments. So that was something that I realized early on. Um, and I started my first company, which um, I like to say was my like guinea pig company, my learning <laughs> company. Right. You know, I started it at the time. I only had $300 in my pocket wow. and, and, you know, my camera. And that's it. And the know-how, the know-how to do what I had to do. And yeah, man, like I, I got into it, bro. I'm talking about hustling, bro. I printed out a thousand flyers, went car to car, <laughs> door to door, bro. I'm, everything I learned, I did. I'm hustling. And, you know, I started to grow little by little, grow little by little. Um, and, you know, and at that time I worked a job that I hate. Oh my God. I hated it. It was like carpentry work in a factory. Oh, and man. man, it was uh, waking up at four in the morning to get there by five. And it was one of those, man. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously I made the best out of it. I, I did my best, but I think I, I worked that job for like three or four months. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they had to let me go um, because they were shortening staff. And at that point, I remember just sitting on my couch and I'm like, okay, what are my options? My option is to go find a job or triple down on scaling my production company. Mm. And I was like, where's my piece at? Let me follow my piece. And my piece was, bro, go do it. Go build your production company. That's who you are. That's why you were hated every moment of this job that you were doing because you were made and born like this. And so having a quote unquote job isn't a bad thing, but it isn't your thing. Mm. And so, and in order for you to experience what you want, you're going to have to work so hard. And man, I'm telling you, I was up by 6 a.m., working up until two in the morning, going to sleep for four hours, waking back up constantly, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. That was a lot of years. Um, I remember the first like four figure check that I got, it was like $3,000. They were like, I was like so nervous because I was doing their social media. I was doing their videos or photos, like all of that stuff. They're like, so how much are you going to charge us? I was like, uh, you know, $3,000. I was so nervous because I wanted, I needed that sale. And, um, they're like, okay. I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> We're doing this. Um, and that was the first time where I was like, wow, like that was a decent amount of change for me. And, you know, it taught me that you, you don't have to do things for pennies. You don't have to do things for just hundreds of dollars, if you know for certain you can truly bring value to people. Because let, 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 let's keep it real. At the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of these things, but and they believe that they're 
they're qualified or valued enough simply as who they are as a human and as great and beautiful and sweet as it sounds. At the end of the day, it's about what value can you bring? If you can't mm-hmm. bring value to the table, then the market itself is going to tell you what you're worth and what you're not. This is business. This is impersonal, right. you know, and, and, and you, you, you have to go through those particular things first to understand that you develop a sense of value because, to this day for the right person sometimes i do some free things knowing that that this is a relationship move right mm-hmm. it's not always about the money and and i wasn't like that at first we can get to that you know where i was but one thing i always understood is bringing value right um and so you know i i, I experienced making a little bit more money and you know to be completely honest i did not know how to run a business you know i i my teachers were from youtube my teachers were from reading books that's how i learned how to do this right. and you know my first company you know i remember you know $10,000 coming in for that month $12,000 coming in from that month 10,000 i'm like oh man i'm getting it let's go but i didn't have a proper system that was going to continually generate cash flow you know, like once it was gone, it was done. And, but I was, you know, living as if it was going to always come in and I was never going to see a drought, you know, getting that Mercedes, that super dope uh, love, you know, like, you know, getting a $3,000 puppy doing all kind of <laughs> stupid stuff. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I experienced what I thought was going to be forever and it, it ended quickly and I'm like, damn, I got to pay for this, pay for that. We didn't make nothing this week. We didn't make nothing this month. You know, I was building a team. I, I you know, I had interns and people I was training and, and, and growing and building. By the way, everybody who was ever one of my interns from then until now, I've literally helped develop them to a place to now they're literally making a living off of this as well. So like my, the, the, the fruits of my labor, you know, continue because in all of that, I was always about growing people and, 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 and creating an opportunity for creatives like myself, because the thing about being a creative is a lot of times we're not analytical, like we're not on the place. We're not very logistic. And so I was able to learn those logistics and, 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 be business and creative. Like it, it, I had that ability. That's why I'm where I'm at is because of, because of my childhood, because of working and doing what I was doing since I was 13, but also naturally being a creative, I positioned myself to have both of those entities be one thing. You know, mm. a lot of people don't have that. It's either one or the other. That's right. why business people need the creatives. And that's why creatives need the business people. Um, or the creatives need the management, right? Mm-hmm. Because they can't think like that because that's not what they're good at. And so right. I was able to learn how to be good at it and be great at it uh, on both sides, you know? Um, but my first company taught me a lot because I, I lost it. You know what I mean? We I, I built it to a six-figure company. Um, yeah. And, you know, over, over a span of like four years and... You know, also a lot of things happened in life at the time, you know, that psychologically just messed with me, um, you know, heartache, heartbreak, mm. and and just dealing with a lot in life while still trying to run a business and do all mm. these things. And yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, at the time I was married, I got married young. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah. And so I, I went through, I was going through a divorce while I had my company. And, Oof. you know, to, to, yeah, it was, it was the 
probably the hardest thing I dealt with up until that point in my life, I would say in terms of mentally and, and emotionally. Um, and it took a toll. I mean, I could, I would go to the office. I couldn't even go into the office. I would be like, I would oh, go there and say hi to my team and leave. And like, I mean, it got bad. It got to the point where here I am, own a company driving a Mercedes and I got $6 in my pocket. Don't got mm. money for rent for the crib. Don't got money for rent for the office space. Don't got money to pay for the car. Bro, I was, I was down bad. Um, wow. And man, it was, it was a sucky moment in my life, you know? Um, but what I can say is there was a moment where I just, I just felt like, you know what? Out of all the stuff I've been through in life, I made it through all of that. I am a hundred percent capable of making it through this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I remember just hearing within myself, like, just focus on where you want to be. Stop focusing on where you're not. Stop focusing on this, this stuff that you're going through to the point where it's going to pull you back or pull you away from that goal, from that vision, from the prize. And as, as much as I had to fake it, you know, I, I smiled anyways, you know, um, until, until it became real. Mm. Until it became something that I knew I could be and knew I could do and bounce back, man. Um, but I, I ended up, you know, stopping my first company from that and um, kind of almost like waited a year before I started my new company, Fabry Media. Now, what, what gave you the confidence too, man, to be like, yo, I'm going through all this and the company failed or, you know, it, it didn't do like what you wanted it to do uh, based off everything you were going through. What created the confidence that I could do this again or try this again? What really got me through is is just my confidence truly came from from just like my relationship with God, really, man, with believing that my purpose was greater than my current circumstance. You know, um, I would say hope. Hope got me through, right? Faith got me through believing in something that I don't know and I don't see, but believing that it, it, it is possible. Really, that's probably uh, the pillar that I built on is mm. that very thing, knowing that there is no way that all of this stuff is going to define the rest of my life. You know, um, right. that I, I had full control over the narrative of my life and where I wanted it to go you know, I took responsibility mm-hmm. and, and that helped me really just overcome all those things. And it really, it really helped me learn me, right? Because it's, it's, you know, one of my favorite um, quotes um, is by Martin Luther King. He said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in times of comfort and confidence, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. That's the ultimate measure of a man. That's the ultimate measure of figuring out your character. It's not yeah. when everything is great and grand and perfect and it's beautiful outside and everybody loves you and nobody's, you know, attacking you. That's not when your true character is shown or seen. That's not when the, the real you is really developed. That's not the defining moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I took heed to that understanding and recognized that it, it is now, if any time it is now 
that I'm really being tested. It is in this moment that's really going to define where I'm going to go, who I'm going to be, and not knowing how to get there, but knowing damn well it's up to me to get there. And, right. you know, that was the mindset that it, it wasn't like I knew how. I'm just like, okay, you know, and I would obviously read, uh, you know, one of the books that really inspired me is by Napoleon Hill, you know, uh, 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 Think and Grow Rich. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I read that book and obviously the common thread wasn't about how, how to get rich. You know, you, 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 you read that book and you think, oh, I'm going to read this to get rich. But really that book is yeah. to teach you necessarily how to get rich. It's really to teach you how to, how to obtain the mindset that is needed, how to develop the person that is needed to then attract the ability to become rich not mm. to be rich. And I think that that's the big distinctive difference when it comes to people's pursuit in life for the greater things. It's like, ah, they're, they're seeking money, 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 not recognizing that it is your gift that makes room for you, mm. right? It is, the, it is the talents you bring. It is the gifting that you bring. It is the ability to bring value that's gonna open up the doors and put you in places for you to be able to get the money, to get the wealth, right? right but right. because you understood that, you now have the character and the mindset to sustain that wealth. Right. And so it, it was in those moments where I knew there were, those were key moments for me within myself to that, that got me to where I'm at today to be able to have what I have today and to be able to continue doing what I'm doing today. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So that that was really that was really what what kept me going and, and, and kept me pushing. Right. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Um... Yeah, that's a great book too, by the way, man. Think and Grow Rich. And like you just said, it, 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 it we think it's going to be about that, but there's so many experiences and lessons along the way, you know, before, you know, he even makes it to become rich and everything. So it's it's really interesting book. Um, but uh, as far as establishing um, Fibrate Media, like what were some things that you took with you, like some of the mistakes that you're like, you know what, I'm not going to do this again. And um, what did you take with you to kind of solidify Fibrate Media to where it is right now? You know, I knew that moving into starting this new agency, uh, a lot of things were different. Number one, um, I had four years of experience in business now. Right. And what I mean by that is four years of failures, four years of winning, more, lo more losses than wins, but um, four years of character building. And I knew that now I'm going to start this company and I'm going, I, I'm not starting from scratch anymore, right? I built my mm -hmm. portfolio. I've learned how to do a lot more. Uh, I understand the the jargon. I understand, um, you know, the climate in the room. I understand what business businesses need, um, what businesses want. Um, and I understood how to get there, you know, a lot more than I first did. I was kind of blindly just doing it, just jumping off and saying, I hope I could fly or jumping in and hope I could swim type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so this time around, I'm like, well, one of the things I need to do better at is I need to create systems that are going to allow the business to grow. I need to create systems um, so that way I can, because before I, I, I had ideas and, and ways to do things, but they were always changing, always changing, because I was just finding out how to really do it better and better. But right. now I have the systems in place. I'm like, I need to get this in place, get this in place. And I need to go ahead and start networking like crazy. Like mm. I, 
I'm great at networking. Like that's my thing, right? Being able to have a conversation and, and have some dialogue with somebody and really finding out who they are and what they need is something that is just normal and natural for me. It's a, it's a natural thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, that, that, that was pretty much like the understanding. All right, now I got to network, got to rebuild, got to hit up old contacts. Um, and most importantly, I got to create a system inside so that way I could provide the best customer experience possible, right? Like I said, you could it, you can have you can have the best coffee on the block, right? Mm-hmm. But this coffee shop down the street is going to get way more customers than you because their experience, their customer experience, is way better than yours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your coffee is better, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, that's why that's why Starbucks is the way it is. It's not that they right. have the best coffee. They have the best experience. And so because of that experience, they've now captivated a customer that's now they have retention with that's going to be a repeating and a recurring customer. And so for me, I'm like, how do I create a reoccurring customer? How do I become an agency of reference for these businesses? How do I become their go-to first, you know, and really just finding it out and fine-tuning that and growing it and building it, growing it and building it and and growing in prices and prices, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you know, not now it's like I went from doing hundreds of dollars to I did thousands of dollars. Now we do tens of thousands of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. um, off of one client alone. So yeah. the caliber of client grew. Um, but a lot of that, to be completely straightforward, had very little to do with that I had the capability of servicing them because I did. It had everything to do with relationship. Mm-hmm. Um that's what I truly learned to develop is relationship, right? So many people are so concerned with fumbling a bag, but they're out here fumbling relationships. You can wow. get your money back, but that relationship, you don't want to burn bridges. People don't understand that, you know? Um, these relationships got me into doors that I would have never been able to get into by myself, by default. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Impossible, you know? Um it got me to that place and got me into those spaces and got me into those rooms, you know, where people had million dollar budgets, where multi-million dollar companies, billion dollar companies. Um, that was all through relationship and being, and, the, and most importantly, um, not going in seeking what I can get, but going in seeking what I can give. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I wanted to, 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 to point is it's all about value. Value is essential. A lot of you, a lot of the companies that I now have that are my current clients, mm-hmm. I did free work for in the beginning, mm. you know, um, you know, because uh, a lot of times people have bad taste in their mouth, especially when it comes to particular agencies. And I'm like, yo, I'm not here to, uh, 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 you know, get a check from you. Honestly, I want the relationship. I want the business relationship. I want the longevity because the longer that I can keep you as one of my clients and build that relationship, the more healthy it's going to make my business. And so that's always been my mindset from that point on. I'm like, what value can I bring? How can I service you? How can I help you? And in return, the byproduct of providing value to customers and clients is you being able to get the help, you being able to get the value back, you being able to get the money, you be able to, you being able to get the relationships and resources that you need to scale and to grow. And that's still my model to today. Like, you know, obviously we do a lot less free work because um, I don't have time for that. But right. in, in the right situation for the right client, 
a thousand percent. I'm not that we're never those people where it's like, nah, no, like, don't get me wrong. There are certain things where it's like, they can't afford, they can't afford to work with us. So we can't mm-hmm. afford to work with them. It's no disrespect, mm-hmm. but yeah. I can't afford to work with you right now because, um, you know, 10 hours here that if I put 10 hours there, that's the difference between a thousand dollars and thirty thousand dollars. You're right. You know, so it's like I have to focus on on the business. This is my child. I got to make sure that it's being fed and growing. Um, and in order for me to do that, I have to have you know funds in order for that to happen. And so, being able to step into a place knowing I could bring you the value that you need, and and being able like one of my clients, um, they're actually a client first. I don't know if you know who Kevin O'Leary is off of Shark Tank, um, but um, one of his products, Deskview. Oh, yeah. I saw you know, that on their website. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're a Chicago-based company initially. So, you know, it's partially owned by Kevin O'Leary. And I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, mm-hmm. uh, the show in itself. And I met them. I, I, I linked up with them because... It's wild because it's all relationship based. The only reason why I was able to get into the room with one of the the, the co-founders is because I was helping service another media agency at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Julian. Uh, he has one of the biggest uh, media agencies in Chicago. It's one of my guys. And, um, you know, I, I met one of the co-founders of Deskview and my focus was relationship, value based. Mm-hmm. And I went into it like that. And so they were, you know, willing off of that first meetup that we had, we were able to develop some rapport. And, you know, I had a meeting with him and the other co-founder, Mike Bolos, uh, super great guy. Shout out to Mike as well. Um, so here we are having this meeting and they've already been through a few different agencies who, you know, promised the world and, and, and they got a pebble. So like, you know, um, I sat down with them. I'm like, yo, how, how can I be of service? Like, like, what can I do? I'm here. I love the brand. I want to be a part of whatever it may be. Let us, let, let my agency be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, they were a little reluctant, but also knew that we could, we, they seen our work. They knew we could do it. Um, and so I was like, all right, just give, give us a desk and we're going to create content for you. And then we can decide. So we got one of their desk views. We created content for them. Didn't get paid for it. Created content for free for like three or four months. Wow. And then after three or four months, now they see the value. So now when I ask for a particular price, now they can distinguish the difference because now there's value for the service because they've mm. seen it versus what we what we say we can do. Even if you've done it before, it's it, it brings a different it's a different relationship now. It's a different sense in business. It's all about evaluating risk. Right. right. Um, and so now they were able to see for themselves, yes, this investment is going to be less risk because we know what we're getting into. They experienced hmm. it. And so, um, yeah, they became a client. Um, and yeah, that relationship, you know, I've been working with desk view for almost four years now. Um, and that relationship turned into, so much more. Now I deal with a lot of the CMO roles um, to, to where now, you know, I have equity in the company now, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and it started off with me doing free work. And now, you know, when we sell the company in the next two years, I'm talking about multi-million dollar check that is going to just hit my account. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and that came from 
me recognizing not let me get the money let me get the money no let me bring the value bring the value right let me give let me see what i can do now i'm positioned off of just this one company to become a multimillionaire you know what i'm saying like and and you know, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a instant, an instantaneous type of thing. It was a lot of work, a lot, despite what they even paid us on a monthly retainer, I made sure to do 10 times more mm-hmm. than what they asked for. I really put, and I still do, you know, obviously now it's a little bit different because, um, you know, we want to build it up to, so, so that way we can, you know, sell the company. So a lot, I'm doing even way more work now, but the reward is even greater you know, um, than, than it was before. So, um, that's just a lesson that I can visually see now that I can, you know, even speak out to people out there, whoever's viewing, it's like, focus on what value you can bring, because I promise you, if you focus on the value and focus on building a relationship in the long run, you're going to win. But when you're so focused on how much you can get now, you'll get a little bit, you'll get a little bit, but it's not going to last long. And you're going to be right back where you started, you know, when, when, when you first jumped into it. Yeah, I think your your first business is an excellent example of that, man. And then just how you were able to learn from that and transition in, into the relationships, man. I think that's super important. I think not enough people talk about that in regards to, you know, building, maintaining and growing a business, man. Like the relationships that you have with people that actually want people to have people that actually want to work with you and see your value, not just in, as a business value, but just as a person and what you're providing them. So that's it's so important, man. So definitely appreciate those gems. Um, so if we break it down, man, like uh, just, you know, if I'm listening in, I'm like, you know what, you know, Frankie has a great point. I'm inspired to start my own brand, my own company. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we're going through your process. You have a process where you talk about discover strategy, create, and then launch. So if I'm thinking about starting my brand, my company, whatever it is, um, I want it to be successful, obviously. Right. So and uh, let's say I have enough to hit up, you know, Frankie Fabre, maybe, or I just want to do it on my own. What are some things that I need to look into? And then what do you mean by discover, strategy, create, and then launch? What, am I, what, do you, what are we talking about? Right. So I, so that, that there's a few questions in that. And so I answer um, piece by piece. So we'll start off with um, one, um, you know, if you want to do this for yourself, if you want to start an agency, a media agency, if you want to build your own brand, I mean, um, across the board, there are fundamentals that are important, right? Um, outside of just the service yourself, now you need to dive in into the business part of it. Understand the logistics, understand the, the administrative side of things, right? Um, figure out who you need, become resourceful. What do you need? Who do you need? Who do I need to talk to? understand that you have the ability to the creative ability to be resourceful is how you're going to win in the beginning, right? Because you're not going to have everything up front unless somehow you got a bunch of money or somebody's giving you a bunch of money to do something. And even then now you have responsibilities because you you're messing with somebody else's money that wants a a return on that investment. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going into it, one, I would say on the, the actual business uh, uh, side of things, you know, get your S Corp or your LLC, um, you know, or maybe you don't want to do that and you're just getting your DBA, right? Doing business ads. But I would say definitely get your S Corp or your LLC, um, figure out what type of business entity you want to create. Um, then once you do that, you know, go get your EIN, right? Your employee identification number. That's kind of like your social security for your business. 
Um, then once you get that, uh, what you want to do is also apply for a, a DUNS number, right? Um, these A DUNS number is a number that is similar to like your personal credit. It's one of the things that they utilize to tell your business credit because a lot of people don't build their business credit. They're just doing it off their personal. And mm. so you get your Duns and Bradstreet. Duns and Bradstreet also allows you to um, apply for certain grants, apply for certain funding that you can only get by having a Duns and Bradstreet number. Um, whether it's uh, um, just for ethnic group funding or, or grants, um, uh, certain locations within your city, um, it, it's important to have that. Um, then I would say once you do that, obviously, you, know, you got to know your business name, create your business logo, get your business website, get your business social media handles, um, you know, uh, also, uh, you know, get, get, a, get a business phone number. You can do that through Google. Um, and, you know, obviously us, we pay one of the companies we use is Grasshopper. Um, but you, there's, there's free, um, you know, comp, like Google call. You can utilize that in the time being until, you know, you want to transfer over to something else. Um, get that number. Enlist your number on the 411, right? Um, you're, you, you enlisting your number on the 411 um, is important. And I'll tell you why. So once you do your Duns and, Duns and Bradstreet number, get your EIN, I would say, and obviously, you don't have to do all this instantly, but do it gradually or step by step. But at least, you know, kind of in totality what you would want to do. Um, right. Then you would want to get maybe a virtual office, right? Something that's an address that's not your residence, um, you know, or get an office. Wherever your budget is or whatever you can get, do that, right? And the reason why I'm saying all of this um, is because... When you open up a business account, the way that business loans and like business credit, they, they don't look at a business the same way that they look at, at a person because I can look you up, boom, I know what your credit is. And plus, you need my permission for a right. business. Banks don't need your permission. Um, as soon as you open an account, they're going to check through all of your stuff. Um, and if you don't have a, 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 an address that's non-residential, if you're not listed in the 411, if you don't have a Duns of Bradstreet number, if you don't have a, 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 all these different things, then you are looked at as a higher risk. So it, it's, it's different what they utilize to qualify. And that's outside of whatever, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the assets of the company and if, you know, how much money the company is actually making, et cetera. Right. But all of that needs to be taken into consideration. So once you do all of that, you know, establish your stuff, figure out your systems. What does step one look like? What does step 10 look like? And how did I get there? Hmm. What I like to do is reverse engineer. So if I know where I want to go, then I just work backwards. Wow. Right. And then yeah. now I have some type of roadmap. It may not be perfect, but I have a roadmap to then now measure my actions against. So if I have now 10 steps, I do one, two, three. Now I'm on four. I realize four is terrible. Let's tweak it. Boom. Now I'm on five. Five is perfect. Complements four. Now I'm continually moving and I'm adjusting and tweaking along the way. With that, I'm now creating a system. Write your system down. A actual physical system within how you operate internally. So now you have stuff that, especially now when you bring people on, this is how it looks. This is the document. I can email it to you, whatever. This is what the process looks like. Because right. if you want to scale, this is, we're talking about scaling your business, unless you just want to freelance um, where you own a job, 
that's different, right? So versus owning a business is now um, when you have those processes in order and those systems in order, now you can scale because now you can bring people on to follow a system. Now it's not only about the customer, now you have to grow internally and make sure that, that that's working, right? So um, growing your systems and, and, and obviously establishing, you know, what, what markets you're going to be in. Um, and then obviously what's most important is start to begin to network. You need to be known for what you do. Do people know you for what you do? If not, then you're not marketing enough, you know, and marketing takes time. There's no like, yeah, I just put a thousand dollars into marketing. And so I'm not seeing the results. Yeah. Because you just started two months ago, fool. Like you got to go <laughs> through an entire process and it just might take 12 months and it just might take 24 months. But the reality is you have to be consistent and you got to continue to do it and do it and do it and do it. And you're going to get a couple of W's along the way. You're yeah. going to get a lot of L's along the way. Um, but those L's are lessons, right. To where you're trying to go. And as long as you recognize that and you, you're quick to make decisions in terms of now I got to do this. Now I got to do this. Now I got to right. do this. You've opened yourself up to making enough decisions to eventually by the law of numbers, you're going to have a win. And all it takes is just one, you know, like all it took me was not all it took me, but I didn't know off of one company that I initially saw on Shark Tank that I love the show was going to position me to become a multimillionaire. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Right. right. And, and, and I said something that I do want to, um, that I felt like I, I didn't highlight. That's important. It's about positioning. Life is about positioning yourself. That's why you network. That's why you speak, right? The greater your network, the greater your net worth. You don't need everybody, you need the right bodies. And when you have the right bodies in place, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself. And in order to properly succeed in positioning, you also have to help position others. Hmm. Never just be a taker. How can I help you? Who do I know? What rooms can I put you in? Who can I say your name in front of? That's how you build your team. It's how you build your circle. That's why everybody that's around me is thriving. That's why everybody that's in my circle, we're eating where we're growing, we're building, we're pushing each other, we're servicing one another as well along the way. And that's crucial. You don't got to do it alone, but you can't, you can't think that for a second that it's, it's all about you. It's bigger than yourself. Step out of yourself and make sure that you're positioning yourself to win. That's what this life is about. You got to think of it like a game. This is a sport. This is literally a sport. This life, life is a sport. It's the battle. It's the battle of the fittest. Who's going to win? You know what I'm saying? But you have the ability to control your characters in your world. You have mm. the ability to control how you're going to do what you're going to do. I was just thinking yesterday, um, especially when I get into these modes and these places, when I write, I just wrote, I write every single day for the most part. Um, some days I have some just chill days, but I was just thinking, I'm like, man, like I, me, Frankie Fabre, I have the ability to recreate the life I want at any moment, right? I, I was talking to my mom and she was telling me, you know, you have a measuring tape. Somebody asked her, how long is her father? How long is your measuring tape? She's like, it's about hundred feet. She's like, well, the average person in our family lives about hundred and you know, she's in her fifties. And so he was like, wait, that's real. Yeah. That's so, crazy. She, <laughs> so she, she was, she's in her fifties. And so it's like, uh, um, he was like, okay, now put the measuring tape on the floor, go to 50. Look how much more life you have to live. Wow. 
And if you have this much more life to live, what are you doing now? Well, how do you want your life to be? And it's up to you. And I was just, just thinking, I'm like, man, even now it's like, what next? Maybe I want to do something else. And if I want to do something else, then I'm going to do something else. And that's it. I'm going to position myself to do whatever it is that I want to do. And it might change and that's okay. But whatever I do, I'm going to give it my all. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and now with my company, I'm trying to position it to where I don't have to be here like that all the time. I don't have to do as much anymore. Now I just have to oversee it completely, right? There's a difference between working in your business and working on your business, right? Mm. Sometimes I'm working in my business um, and sometimes I'm working on my business. Working on your business scales it. Working in your business gets things done, but it's not scaling the company. And so being able to delegate different hats um, is when you start to scale and recognize that you need more than yourself. Man, the amount of gems we just got there. Whew, man, appreciate that, man. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah, sure, absolutely, man. bro. That's vital information that I think a lot of people that start businesses or are in business do not have, you know, what you just shared right there. And some people pay for that, you know, so that definitely appreciate sharing that information, man. Um, so I got my business started and everything's going. And, um, you know, a lot of businesses, like like you mentioned, if you're not in the social media world, you're not really in the marketing world, you really kind of don't know really how these things work. Right. So um if I want, you know, obviously people to my brand to appeal to people and I'm competing with a million other businesses and this and that and the third, right? How do I dissect what I need to have as far as marketing, social media marketing and presenting my business so I can get people on board? Like, how do I kind of figure that out and maneuver through that so I can get the people that I'm looking for to be on board in this whole thing that is like so massive you know there's so many businesses out there they might be similar businesses as mine how do i get those people that have all of these options they can you know go with anybody they want some of them are already going with you know whoever they're using for whatever service i'm trying to provide or whatever um i'm giving to people as part of my business so how do i get those people in right so so the answer is actually simple right um the answer is be you that's what makes you different. At the end of the day, it's your story. It is your likeness, who you are, that is the distinctive difference between everybody else. You could do exactly what I do, but you're not me. Mm. That's why I'm going to win. Like, like we, we got to stop. Competition is competition. That's, That's fine. Yep. Um, but Everybody's trying to find what's unique about my business versus them. And they're missing the very thing that they look at every morning in the mirror. It's mm. you. That's it. Like, literally, it's that. Highlight that. You're going to, you don't want everybody. You want the right bodies. Right? And so that's the same thing with customers. I don't want every customer. I do not. God, no, I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want the customers who can literally, I enjoy and they enjoy me because right. of me. Right. I don't got to sugarcoat it. I could be Frankie talking to top CEOs, top hedge fund people, million, whatever. This is the Frankie you get. Mm -hmm. And you rock with that or you don't. You don't see me with a tie. You don't see me with that. You might see me with some tattoos. You might, you know, my hair might be braided. Right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? 
If you rock with me, you rock with me. If you don't, you don't. And that's where you need to start. Stop trying to, it's like you can't please everybody. You can't please every business. Some businesses, mm-hmm. and, and but what happens is the challenge is, especially in the beginning, is you need the business because you need the money, right? But mm-hmm. figure out real quickly how to make the money by being you, be your authentic self. Now, obviously, you got to provide value, but right. allow yourself to be attached to that value, that experience to be attached to that value. That's why, bro, you know what's wild is like I, I service, like I market and, and, and do media buy and, and, and advertise for companies all the time. It's probably what we're in our fifth year. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the year that Fiber Media actually like really starts to advertise. Like we, as in like this month, we just started throwing some ads out. Everything else scaled because of what I just said. People want to work with me. They want the Frank Fabre, Frankie Fabre experience. They, 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 who I am is threaded in everybody that works with me on my team. It, it's, right. it's, you know what I'm saying? That is so valuable. People, especially when you're new to business, you get in a mindset where you're like, oh, this is that person, or this is the owner, or this is that. No, that's a human. <laughs> that's a person treat them as such with respect with love and bring value that's what business is business isn't complicated mm-hmm. we complicate it you know mm-hmm. i remember like like going into business i'm just complicating everything like oh this and this and this and this and that and it's like yo chill out you are going to be you yourself are going to create the difference between that other one you know how many clients i've that i've got because of relationship when they could have went to somebody who I knew was way better than me, mm. way better than me. But guess why I got them? Because of me, because of the, the relationship, because of that experience. You can't fake that. You can't buy that. And I would rather work with somebody would rather work with somebody who they feel comfortable with, who they can be mm. honest with, who they mm. can be transparent with. That is the best way to do it. Yeah, that is dope, man. Um, And that's a great point, too, because I think when people get into business and they get into entrepreneurship, it's like, man, I got to make money. I'm trying to be like so and so. You know what I mean? I want to I want this to be a multi-million, multi-billion dollar business. So I got to grind. I got to hustle. But sometimes we get lost in the sauce and we forget to be ourselves, man. Like and that, like you just said, is what makes you a unique business and stand out amongst, you know, a million other businesses or however many trying to do the same thing. So. You know, being somebody of color, you know, I used to think that I had to look a certain way and laugh at certain jokes and, you know, be a certain person in order to get these people to do business with me because most of the the owners and CEOs and people were white people. And so it was like, I felt judged, but really it was in my mind, not saying that I wasn't being judged. But the Mm -hmm. ability for it to have such a huge effect on me was in my mind. And so as I began to grow in business, I'm like, yo, you know what? This is who I am. Right? Like how many people you do business with got a nose ring in or, you know, earring, like, you know, like I, this is who I am. And, and if you're hiring my company, that's because you know, we can get the job done. And because you know, you enjoy working with me Mm -hmm. and that's it. If those are the things that aren't mattering, then everything, then we don't need to do business together. 
Great point, man. Great point. Having a code of ethics, man. Morals, values for what you do. Super important. Um, another thing. Yeah, man. Another thing is time and energy. And I was laughing like you had a clip on your Instagram for your podcast and you were talking about that you don't do your own laundry. And I was kind of laughing at that. And um, I know people <laughs> might think like, yo, this dude is bougie, man. Like, he don't do his own laundry. Right, like, right. You know, is he, does, does he have people coming in, cleaning the house, doing this and that and the third? But a lot of people don't think about time and energy and, you know what I mean? The time that it takes to do certain things. So can you talk about that? Like why you don't do your own laundry and maybe some other stuff you don't do and why you're <laughs> willing to pay for it, <laughs> you know? Man, yeah, 100%, right? We got 24 hours in a day. And so for me, um, I always factor in time cost ratio, right? So the time it's going to require me to do something, is it going to cost me more in the end versus paying for the cost up front to keep that time? So I could make in three hours, four or $5,000, or I could pay $50, $60 to get my laundry done. How am I, how am I going to decide? That's my deciding factor. I'd rather pay the 50, 60 up front to get that done. So that way I can keep these three hours to go make four or $5,000 mm. time cost ratio. And that's the same thing, even with clients. That's why I only work with certain clients time cost ratio. It's going to take me 50 hours to do this project. That's paying me five grand. Or it's going to take me 50 hours to do this project that's paying me 20 grand time cost ratio. I'm going to respectfully do the $20,000 project, right? That's why I try to focus more on getting certain type of clientele, not because I don't think that that's good money is I am just factoring time cost ratio. What's going to give me more time for what it is that I am doing. And so it's on both sides dealing with the client versus all the way to not doing my laundry. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I got to pay somebody to come in and clean my apartment. I'm going to do it. Not because I'm lazy, but because I'm smart with my time. I know mm. that it'll probably take me a few hours to speak and span my, my apartment versus taking those hours to give it to something else. Right. And that something else might be a relationship. It might be a meeting. It might be the gym, Right. Not doing my laundry now gives me the ability to focus on my on my physical health. It's time cost ratio. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't recognize and don't do. And it definitely takes a toll <laughs> on um, certain people in certain relationships because, <laughs> you know, it's just like I consider those things out loud, you know, like it's like. Yeah, so that, I think that's a difficult concept for most folks to grasp. Like, yo, you're, you're being bougie right now, man. Okay, what you talking Like, you don't do your laundry. Like, come on, man. Like, you know what I mean? Or you don't want to, you know what I mean? Wash your dishes or whatever it is, man. Like, people might be like, yo, this man, is real. Man, I get like, my, <laughs> bro, the, the, let me tell you the feeling, getting your clothes washed and folded and pressed the feeling is great, especially when they <laughs> fold your under your underwear like perfect, like perfect squares. And all you gotta do is pick up your bag, and now all I gotta do is just put 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 it away, and it's done. It, right. It's yeah. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't know if I ever go back to doing my laundry if I can if 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 I can control it. I mean, you know, maybe if it's like just a quick load of something that I have to like have it instantaneous. That's different, but you know, I recommend it for people. It, Give it a try. I promise you, you won't regret it. <laughs> you won't regret it. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't wait till I could uh, afford not to do my laundry. Yes. Um, <laughs> bro, it's, it's, it's love. Just, just, just start with one load, you know, go somewhere just so you can experience it. You'll, you'll be like, damn. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But it's yeah. definitely, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a month. I, it's in a monthly investment I'm willing to make because I know in the long run, I'll make more by doing that. So it's, yeah, it's logical. It's not just like emotional, you know? Yeah. That makes sense to me because, um, I don't, I don't mow my lawn, you know, and I, I know like people, like to mow their lawns and take care of, you know, their, their grass and all that kind of stuff. But I was just thinking exactly what you told talking about. Like, yo, it's going to take me like how long to do this when I just get yeah. somebody to do it and focus in on what I need to focus in on. So I think that that is difficult for the average person to grasp because they like, well, this person is lazy. Like, why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you do that? But what are you doing during that time? You know what I'm saying? That you getting that work done for you, you know, are you adding value to your business or doing whatever it is that, you need to do. And then, like you just said, if, if I take two hours out of the day, three hours to go and mow my lawn, and this is a consistent thing, I got to continue doing, you know, how much money, how much growth could I it have adds made? up. Yeah. It <laughs> adds up. But I, yeah. I, I don't even drive anymore. Like, mm. I, I, I live in a city, so I could, I could say that because it's a lot easier to do that. Um, but I just like call Ubers and Lyfts because I don't want to waste time driving. I could literally... I'm in the back of the car, answering emails, getting on calls, you know, the moments that I don't have because I'm so busy. I'm just like getting other things done because I don't have to focus on driving, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm, I, you know, that that probably sounds bougie, but really it's not like it's, it's just <laughs> it, it, it's it's like a smart thing to do. If if you can do it, like, yeah, yeah, you should do it, whatever you can do to give yourself more time. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it, it, so imagine people who, you know, are, are spending two hours a day or let's let, let's put it like this three hours a, a, a week doing something. That's 21 hours a month. 21 hours a month that you could be doing something else. I mean, 12 hours a month, I bet that's 12 hours a month. You could be doing something else. That's 144 hours a year that you could be doing something else. 144 hours a year? Are you kidding me? You could put towards learning something new, uh, working on your physical body, working on your spirituality, maybe learning a new, a new gift or a new talent, right? Developing a better relationship with somebody. Um, you, you have to consider that. I think that's super important. It's something not to look over. You have to consider everything. That's why, you know, I, I don't go out as often as I used to back in the day because mm. I'm considering that. It's like, yeah, it's Saturday, but just because you go out don't mean I'm trying to go out because I'd rather do this, this, and this because my time there isn't going to be, I'm not going to get a return on investment with that time putting Ooh. it there versus putting this time here. And yeah. that's just the way to think about it. And that's that how you sense. grow and that's how you scale. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I do want to add for our young listeners, don't be telling your mom, like, you know, my mastermind, they was talking about, you know, time and I'm, I'm, I'm not cleaning my room no more. I'm just focusing on, don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, hey, but see, the room still has to get clean, just like my laundry still gets done. I could pay to get it done. Can you pay to get your room clean? Mm, there it is. There it hey, is. Hey, you better pay your time. sister like five dollars, <laughs> little brother, little sister. All right. I'm going to give you Hey, that's Hey, why not? Right. Clean my room. I'll give you five dollars. If you both agree <laughs> to it, then we got it. We got a deal. 
great points great points man the gems man um as we wrap up i wanted to go into a quick little activity here called what's your favorite getting to know you a little bit more and identifying a few of your favorite things man um we haven't really delved into the poetry yet man so what's been your favorite thing about like creating poetry and you know writing yeah you know music and all that man for sure man so poetry is something that i've done my whole life you know especially just you know just being where i'm from it's always been my way of um expressing myself and reflecting within myself it's my journal poetry is how i i journal my life and so you know recently um march i mean february 3rd i dropped a uh uh five track project called blue nude my naked thoughts um you know featuring uh the single is here i am featuring josh k uh, you know, he's a signed artist to Fabulous's label, the rapper Fabulous. Um, and he's also one of my close homies as well. He was a friend of mine. Um, we got uh, I Told Lexi. She's out in London right now. She's on there as well. Uh, my guy, uh, Renzel, um, he produced and engineered all of it. I mean, he's done uh, artists like Chance the Rapper, McJenkins, anybody in Chicago, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... You know, so it, it was it was a, it was a healthy project, really good project. And this one particularly was related towards just dealing with like heartache, heartbreak, um, betrayal, healing, um, overcoming just a, a lot of just personal things, you know, um, love and, and and just trying to just get things to the next level that there is healing in that process. So right. um, poetry tends to be something that I use to to find myself and being able to put it down and 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 then read it back to reflect on it and yeah this time around you know um i decided to record and yeah i have my projects on apple music anywhere where you stream apple music spotify pandora iheart youtube wherever title um you can find it by typing in frankie fabre uh f-r-a-n-k-i-e-f-a-b-r-e um and my project will come up but yeah, I I, uh, I see I see myself doing a lot of great things with it. I mean, I've already been doing a lot of performing with it. Um, performed at the Green Mill not too long ago, which is where the Poetry Slam was originated um, out here in Chicago and Uptown. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna be doing some pop-ups, speak easies. I'm doing a city tour um, for all my uh, poetry lovers um, to where you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a small intimate setting. Uh, maybe 30, 40 people tops. And um, I'm just going to share, you know, spoken word. I'm going to have a few other spoken word artists um, on there as well. One of my guys, shout out to Kenneth Keen. He's an award-winning filmmaker. Also um, an amazing spoken word artist, um, you know, who I do a lot of work with as well. So um, yeah, man, it's really, you know, I, I've been doing it all my life, but really it's the beginning to something great. Because now it's like, it's the first time in my life where I was able to put actual like, money investing dollars and you know behind all of it i did a a private you know release event we had tons of candles like it was a candle lit event Mm. um so yeah man anybody who likes poetry it's a different spin on it it's not just you know regular acapella poetry you know there's there's a musicality um musicality um portion to it right right that i feel helps emphasize and creates that desire to want to listen to it it's 
not know club music is definitely something that you throw on maybe when you're in the car, um, you know, at the crib by yourself, or you just love the, you just love poetry in itself, you know, um, somebody who just loves, you know, metaphors, similes, double entendres, stuff like that. It's definitely something, you know, for, for those who like that stuff. Yeah, definitely, man. And I, I love like with you, your own poetry, like your openness to just talk about and reflect on life. Like, I love that part of it. Um, and uh, just on poetry too, man, uh, what, what are some of your favorite poets and uh, musicians that you, uh, you like listening to? Um, you know, poet wise, I, I think in terms of people now, they're, they're more probably rappers, but really they're poets like Wale, you know, like he's a, he's really a poet, you know, um, common, he's a poet, you know, um, in terms of just artists, like who are just spoken word artists, um, man, I, I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite. Do I recognize some people like, uh, I forgot his name, buddy, who was on um, Kanye West's uh, project. He's super dope. But I don't have any current, like, yo, when I think of, like, spoken word, that's my guy, right? Um, I think they're more, like I said, maybe in, in, in the rapping space, like a Wale and, like, a Common, right. you know, uh, a Lupe Fiasco. You know, like, those guys are very, like, poetic. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely Wale, super cold. Yeah, love those guys too, man. Definitely. Um, as far as your podcast, man, what's been your favorite episode that you've done so far? Man, you know, I love all of them, right? Because they're <laughs> all different. There's like yeah. something to love out of out of each one. Because and really, like, what we did, we reached like sixty thousand um, so far, which is super dope. And we just launched in November, so every single moment on the podcast for every single person for me is an experience that I enjoy. There's not been one I don't enjoy. Um, and I actually, I, right now we have about 20 podcasts. We have not even released that already like recorded and filmed. Yeah, so, you're, you're like me right now. <laughs> yeah. Just we, we can relate up. to that. <laughs> yeah. Just stacked up, man. Um, next one releases on a uh, Monday, but yeah, I, I can't even like, be biased. I like all of them. Yeah, yeah I'm, the same, I'm the same way, man. It's it's funny, man. I, I would probably have the same answer right there. <laughs> For sure. Right, right. Um, each one is you take something out of yourself in each one. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. Um, I know, like I, I was watching your vlog, and um, I realized, like, yo, you your your day is crazy, like super busy, all the stuff, and you know, what I mean, you gotta sometimes get a quick bite to eat, or uh, you might have time for a quick 20, 30 minute restaurant stop. So, you know, you're in the Chicago area. What's your favorite spot? You know what I mean? When you have a busy day, when you got to get some grub in, what's your favorite spot to go to? Well, man, so for me, obviously, I would I would have said something different maybe like eight years ago, but I'm a, I'm a pescatarian. So and I'm very like heavy on the vegan lifestyle as well. So when I do eat meat, essentially, it's seafood. Um, I don't eat seafood all the time. But um, so there's this joint down the street call stand-up burgers fire yo everything in there is vegan everything all of it oh, and oh. and it's bro i'm telling you it's, it's it's really good so i like stand-up burgers um i mean like and it also depends like most most times like if you if you ask somebody from chicago we'll, we'll tell you some stuff that's like super chicago they just kind of like let people know i'm from chicago so i'm saying stuff that people from chicago are like bro come on bro what you doing <laughs> but i'm just being honest like i don't eat i don't eat like that 
Um, you know, for me, oh, like sweet greens. Um, and I know these are more like kind of like chains, but I love sweet greens. It's a, a salad joint. Super fire. Sweet greens, stand-up burger, uh, Kitchen 17, which is a local joint. They're super dope. Um, uh, Chicago Diner, another mm. one that's like vegan, vegan, vegetarian, super good. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's like a decent handful um, for like kind of like the, the quick, more like a quicker food, something that you can eat and, and you know, have, you know, quickly. So, yeah. Uh, as far as the work you do, man, I know you've done like weddings, music videos, political ads, business ads, just everything. What's your favorite type of gig that you just like, yo, this is, you know, my day's going to be great today because I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I would say that, yeah, I, I, I don't do weddings um, anymore. I don't like doing weddings. I'm gonna be honest. Um, it, it, and it depends. I mean, I, I would do one under two conditions. I actually know the people or like the people that I'm doing it for, right. uh, or they, they come highly recommended and the price is right. Cause it's one of those things that, cause I don't like doing that. I, I'm good at doing, I don't like doing. So if I'm going to go do a video for you, I need like, I need like five, six grand mm-hmm. or I don't, or I don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause just the time that goes yeah. into it. It, 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 now it's not about time cost ratio at that point. It's just a matter of preference. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I could service you and I'll do a great job, but I don't really try to do it, but enough of what I don't like. Um, uh, I, I like, I like, you know, music videos, music videos are fun. I think for me, I get more excitement in doing things for like brands and businesses like commercials and um, production sets and, stuff like that, Kickstarters, um, different things of that sort. But I just, I just love it overall. I mean, I get to literally enjoy a life of creating. I mean, at the Mm. end of the day, like, I feel like I always like the project that the person that I'm doing the project with, I enjoy them. That's why it's about relationship. Like I love, if I love you and I love working with you and you're likable and we get along, we can go film squirrels. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like I just enjoy working with you. So therefore I'm going to make you the best squirrel video you ever had. And that's it. That's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, yeah. so whatever I do, I want to be the best at it. I don't care what it is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've had, I've had seasons like, like for instance, this is just, this is just an insight to people out there trying to grow a media agency. Like initially <laughs> I used to service on almost every single club in Chicago, every nightclub. Wow. I used to go in there um, and I would do like three clubs in one night. You know what I mean? Where I would do like recap videos for like the club promoters or the club venue themselves. But I did it with intent where it's like, okay, bet. I would charge like easily like $200 a spot. So I would make like five to $600 in a night sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I would do that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know what I mean? So, so, so I would get by with it, um, but I would do what I was doing for the network. I would get in there, meet the owners, because mm. most time club owners own two, three restaurants. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Most time club owners are connected with people who go to their clubs that are in, in different positions, you know? Um, so I would go there. I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking. Maybe once in a while I might have a sip or something, but I'm not drinking. I'm not there to party. I'm in there, shoot it, boom, I'm out. Next spot, boom, boom, out, discipline. 
every week, go in it. And then during the day, because I would go there from like 11 p.m. So I'll be working from like 11 p.m. to like 3 a.m. Right. Right. Get home, shower up, knock out, wake up, work on Fabre Media. Nighttime, boom. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. you, you have to be, you have to be like creative and you have to be innovative while you're growing in that process because money got to come from somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? So figuring that out is super important as well. But I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, that that that's a great gem right there, man. Just meeting the owners and getting getting that relationship. That word again. Relationship. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, lastly, what's been your favorite life gem that somebody has given you that really allowed you to just grow, man? My favorite life gem. You know, I feel like there's so many. Um, and I don't want to have a hard time to sum it up, but. I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't say life gem that had the mm-hmm. biggest impact. I would say life moment. Okay. That had the biggest impact. One of the biggest impacts on my life was my grandma. Um, you know, rest in power. Um, she, I was going through like a moment in my life. I was like 13, maybe. Um mm-hmm. I was just a badass child. And uh, at least that's what, at least that's what people see. And no, I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? But yes, I was. And the reason why I say that is like, no, I wasn't because I wasn't a bad child. I was because I was agreeing with every word that everybody said that I was Mm. a bad child. So now I believe that. And because I believe that what you think you say, what you say, you do, what you do becomes habits. I became a bad child because nobody spoke that into my life. Other than that, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember my grandma just saying, Frankie, I don't care what anybody thinks about you. You're going to do great things. And I know you're going to do so well in life. You're going to take care of your family, your mother. And it was just that moment. She goes, and if nobody says it, I believe you. Mm. That that changed my life forever. To this day, like I, re- I, I literally cherish that forever, ever, you know? So I think that had the most unintentional, profound moment of my life. And I think I want to I want to give give that the roses there. I wouldn't even want to add no more. That is dope, man. Shout out to your grandmother. Shout out to my grandma, man. man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And speaking of that. Sometimes 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 Mm -hmm. it takes one person. Yeah. Sometimes it takes one person to believe in you. Some Mm. people just need you to. I challenge you out there for somebody to just take the moment to believe in somebody because it's, it's hard out here for people to really have the confidence to believe in themselves. Just give them that good word. Let them know it's possible. Agreed. 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 And uh, speaking on that, man, what your grandmother was doing was building that Frankie Favre legacy. You know what I'm saying? So now that we are there in the legacy stage and everything, um, what legacy do you want to establish and leave behind? Like, what do you want people to know and understand 50, 60, 70 years from now when they're looking back on um, Fabre Media or just your name, Frankie Fabre, and what you represented? For me, I think a legacy is predicated on the, on the level of impact you have in people. And for me, I just want to be known as, as not even as a business owner, um, a poet, any of that. I want to be remembered as a human being who cared, loved, 
and, and, and really wanted to bring the best out of people who every time they were around me, they, they felt better. Every time they were around me, they, they, they wanted more. Every time they were around me, around me, they felt peace like that. They felt free. They felt the ability to be able to be themselves. That's, that's what I want to be echoed. And then whatever I'm labeled with that, then I'm good with that. That's, that's what I want to be remembered as. That's the impact and the legacy I want to create. Yeah, I could definitely already see that, you know, through this interview and everything, man. The, the work that you're doing is powerful, man. Definitely appreciate that. Um, we usually ask guests to leave us with their favorite quote and what it means to them. I think you've already done that, man. So if you wanted to take the opportunity too, man, to hit us off with maybe a poem or something that, that that's significant to you, you could do that as well. Once we get into the poetry situation, man, <laughs> it's 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 a wrap, bro. Um, but you know what? I, I'll give you guys a poetry piece. Let's do that one. Um, this piece is called Only a Woman. Only a woman could birth the spirit of heaven. Our access to heaven is a door to a woman's womb. Those butterflies you get are my feelings wrapped in a cocoon. The beauty I see, it's hard to see for you, optical illusion. So your conclusion makes it hard to coexist. And to notice this, you must receive it with an open fist. Closing it removes progressive openness. And loneliness, well, that's a byproduct. So we buy products because I got it, but even those bags come with lies on it because what lies on it are deep secrets with loud beepers. It's too loud alone. So the crowd gets deeper and the truth gets weaker. So your walk gets steeper and you don't know yourself. So I can't know you either. Always moving. Shorty, take a breather. You feel if you don't chase your dreams, your dreams will leave you. But what left was patience. So now you're a patient in a psych ward built by your own hands. Void of purpose, looking for God's plans. And I'm damned if I don't do all that I can as your man. So I stand thinking I can help. But I realize what matters is how you feel about yourself. By yourself. See, that's the good life. When you could wake up with a smile and laugh through a good night because you shine like the sunrise and glow like the moonlight. But who's right? Seems to matter more. Bankrupt from your own doubt, that negativity you can't afford. So now you're bored and I'm to blame because you hate the shame of taking accountability so you stay the same. I thought we rode together, but this ain't your lane and you just ain't the same. Not the growing kind of change. You just hate the change. That's why I kept it 100. Ooh, man, powerful, man. Um, We might have to do a whole nother episode dissecting your poetry, man. <laughs> that was dope, <laughs> no man. Doubt. That was dope. That was dope. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, sure. can, you last, can you lastly leave those that, you know, like they want more of your poetry that uh, might want to link up, uh, you know, with your business or that might, you know, want to ask you about some gems or whatever it is? Like, where can they find you? Yeah, man, you could. Uh, so we'll start with, you know, the podcast. We are the brand podcast. Um, you can find us on, uh, you know, IG, YouTube um, and Fabre Media, which is my agency. Uh, fibermedia.com 
You can check us out on YouTube, uh, all social media platforms. And then in terms of, you know, my poetry, Frankie Fabre. You can go to frankiefabre.com as well. Um, you can find my, my work on every streaming, music streaming platform. Um, yeah, just reach out to me. I'm there. You can, my personal IG is Frankie Fabre. Uh, check me out. There it is, man. Another mastermind connect. Uh, Frankie, I appreciate you coming out here, man, and spending your time. I know time is valuable. Time is money. And you invested into us today. So definitely appreciate that, man. Um, and listeners, definitely share the program. I think the information that we got today is just extremely valuable, especially if you're interested in having a brand, starting your own company, um, learning about that or whatever it is, man, and just listening for the for the gems. The gems were, you know, we got a lot of gems today. So appreciate that, Frankie. Thank you for coming through and listeners share no the doubt. program. Yes, sir. For sure. And uh, of course, listeners, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind. I'm not chasing hopeless dreams See the hope in me is like dope in me My brain gets a dose and releases dopamine But sometimes doubt gets a hold of me The yes I can becomes a no in me It's like my fears be knowing me So I deploy frequencies from a different me To transform chaotic energy into a peaceful symphony See, my arteries are full of DNA that could part a sea and pardon me. Sometimes I get ahead of myself because partially I deal with my pride and insecurities. And I try to protect that like a higher security just to secure a higher me. But in reality, it only provides a tire me. Soon to retire me from this life on earth. But as soon as I understood life might hurt, I wasn't too concerned with my all-white shirt. It started to dig away at all life's dirt. Implanted seeds, believing one day this all might work. And here I am, a man with his heart in his hand. Devotion was like an ocean, I'm sure, but now we're on the sand. And to build on top of that would be a suicide plan. Question, you ever feel lifeless? Like you just don't know what life is? But you hope it ain't like this? Trying to hold on to something, looking for guidance? Of course, silence. I try to add it up only to find out you were the minus. Your touch used to be the Midas. Now we don't touch, not even the slightest. I've learned the world we think we see outside of us is really inside us. And mine huh, has been one hell of a ride. Cause deep inside, I know I need to say goodbye. I tried, I will, I did. These are my thoughts, naked before you without shame. I just wish I knew yours, but we aren't the same. We not the same, we not the same We not the same, we not the same
who somebody is determine what I do and who I am. Because their life is merely a projection of their consciousness, yeah. as well as mine. At all times. At all times. And what happens is, is when people aren't in that place of self-belief, when people aren't in the place of self-validation and being able to walk in a, in a place of confidence, and a lot of times that has to do with how we were raised as children.